BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Greetings, my friends. Thank you for being here on this Tuesday. Yesterday, 22,665 votes were cast at Smirconish.com. Is it better or worse for journalism that Dominion versus Fox settles before trial? 79% and change said it's worse that it settled before trial. People want to see it. They want to they have a, an airing, I guess, of, of all the issues in this case. It's one thing to read the texts and the emails and the deposition testimony, but at least the 80% who voted at Smirconish.com, they want to see, you know, game on in Delaware today. At least as of this moment in time, everything is still proceeding. If you want the flip side, if you want to read the argument that says it's better that the case resolve so as to leave in place New York Times versus Sullivan, then I direct you to Jane Kirtley's essay at Smirconish.com today. She's a media ethics and law professor at the University of Minnesota. She's worried that if the case reaches the Supreme Court of the United States, that there could be a change to Times versus Sullivan and the actual malice standard. Yesterday, Jeff Kossoff was a guest on the program, and I said to him, what, what, happens if, what happens if New York Times versus Sullivan goes away? And in our dialogue, he said, look, it's, it's like Roe versus Wade nationalized abortion policy. Dobbs came along, left it to the states. The First Amendment and the approach of actual malice was nationalized in New York Times versus Sullivan. But if that case is overturned, the states can do what they want to do. And you can have different standards in different states for going after media actors. I've got my eye on Delaware. But what I really want to talk about at the outset of the program today is New York and Missouri. It's a tale of two visitors, both tragic. First case, a man in upstate New York charged with murder on Monday in the killing of a woman who was in a car that mistakenly drove into his driveway. The woman and three friends she was with never even got out of the car. This was Saturday night. They were turning around after realizing their error when the man, a 65-year-old guy, stepped out of his house. This is in Hebron, New York, and fired at least two shots at the car. One of the bullets struck the woman. Her name is Kaylin Gillis, 20 years old. The group then had to drive about six miles to a nearby town before they got through to 911. Apparently, the cell service, terrible in this area. She was then pronounced dead. The sheriff described her as um, a very sad case, described the case as being very sad, and said he knew for a fact that she comes from a good family because he knew them personally. She was an innocent young girl who was out with friends looking for another friend's house. Unfortunately, they drove up this driveway. The shooting occurred late Saturday in a section of Washington County, about 60 miles northeast of Albany, where many roads are made of dirt, not well lit, and where there's little cell phone or internet service. When officers arrived at the house, the homeowner was uncommunicative, would not come out, 
He was taken into custody after about an hour. There was no reason, said the sheriff, for him to have feel felt threatened, especially as it appeared the car was leaving at the time that he fired the shots. Okay, so in this case, in upstate New York, this individual has now been charged with second degree murder. That's the New York case. In contrast to the Missouri case, also getting a lot of attention today, this is the case of the young man named Ralph Yarl, 16 years old. He was left in critical condition with a gunshot wound in his head, according to family members and their lawyers. He'd been on his way to pick up his younger twin brothers at a friend's house, but had gone to the wrong house about a block away. After being taken into custody in this case, the homeowner was initially released for 24 hours. No charges filed against him. That has now changed. And CNN, which is in the lead position at Smirconish.com today, I think has the best coverage. Here's how they lay out the facts. A white 84-year-old homeowner charged with shooting Ralph Yarl after the black teen went to the wrong Kansas City address to pick up his siblings told police they didn't exchange words before he fired at him through a locked glass door. That's the, that's the 84-year-old homeowner. No words exchanged. What does he say? The homeowner says that he did so because he thought the teen was trying to break in. Homeowner Andrew Lester faces two felony charges for assault in the first degree, armed criminal action, told police he fired immediately after answering the doorbell when he saw the 16-year-old Ralph pulling on an exterior door handle, according to the probable cause document obtained by CNN. Lester said he was scared to death due to the boy's size, according to the document. Ralph told police while he was being hospitalized, he did not pull on the door, according to the document. Meanwhile, the prosecutor, Clay County prosecuting attorney Zachary Thompson, said that, quote, there was a racial component to this case, but he did not elaborate. I already told you that the man was taken into custody for a couple of hours, then released on the night of the shooting. Lester was lying down in bed. When he heard the doorbell ring and picked up his 32 caliber revolver, he then went to his home's front entrance. He then went to his home's front entrance, which includes an interior door and a glass exterior door, both of which were locked. He opened the interior door, quote, saw a black male approximately six feet tall pulling on the exterior storm door handle, he told police. He stated that he believed someone was attempting to break into his house, shot twice within a few seconds of opening the door. He believed he was protecting himself from a physical confrontation and could not take the chance that the mail was coming in. Lester said he immediately called 911 after the shooting. According to the document, police spoke with Ralph While he was being treated at the hospital where he told them his mother had asked him to pick up his brothers at 1100 Northeast 115th Street, according to the document, which notes that the actual address they were staying at was 1100 Northeast 115th Terrace. Ugh, so damn sad. By the way, one other detail before I get to our friend Danny Savalos. 
While the teenager was on the ground, the man fired again, shooting him in the arm, Ralph told police. Ralph said he got up and ran to keep from being shot, and he heard the man say, don't come around here. He then went to multiple nearby homes, asking for help and telling people to call police. Why do you have to go to multiple homes? Was he not helped at the first home? The poll question today at Smirconish.com. When a white 84-year-old shoots an unarmed black teen at his front door, it's because of, and you have choices, age, racism, guns, media, all of the above. So loosely described, these stand-your-ground laws allow people to respond to threats or force without fear of criminal prosecution in any place where a person has a right to be. How it's going to apply to the Missouri case, I'm still not sure. I have questions. Danny Savalos has answers. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. I have questions. Danny Savalos has answers. He's the NBC legal analyst. He of Savalos and Wong fame. And I'm fortunate that he's often guest hosted this program. Hey, Danny, thanks so much for being here. I know how in demand you are. Hi, Michael. I'm a turtle. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, let me read. I have no response. Let me read to you Missouri's 2016 law, and then you can you can decipher. A person may, subject to the provisions of subsection two of this section, use physical force upon another person when and to the extent he or she reasonably believes such force to be necessary to defend himself or herself or a third person from what he or she reasonably believes to be the use or imminent use of unlawful force by such other person. It also says that a person does not have a duty to retreat from a dwelling, residence, or vehicle where the person is not unlawfully entering or unlawfully remaining. What does that mean? Yeah, and there's another subsection that also allows for the use of force if somebody is entering an an occupied dwelling or, and this is the magic language, attempting to enter an occupied dwelling. That's going to be the key for any defense. And then, of course, that authorizes force. The statute appears to authorize force in that situation without a need to show that there was a reasonable fear or apprehension of deadly force. So 
these are going to be key. And, you know, reportedly so far we're hearing that uh, this young man rang a doorbell and was shot apparently maybe through the door. I'm not sure. I, I'm really waiting to see the additional facts as they come out, because if that's the case, if somebody walked up onto a stoop, hit the doorbell and then was shot, then there's absolutely nothing under that under that statute that I see as defensible. Just taking a step back for a moment, I've heard a lot of people talk about stand your ground. This is really more akin to something called castle doctrine, which is the idea, and you just read this out of the statute, that there's no duty for someone to retreat when they're in their home. And that makes sense. If you go down at midnight to get a glass of milk and there's a masked intruder in your home, it would make not a lot of sense if the law required you to run away in your own home as opposed to using deadly force to get that person out. All Stand Your Ground does is extend that force bubble to anywhere you're walking outside of your house. And that's why it's controversial, because it really eliminates the need to get away from a conflict. And, and by the way, the, it's not, the problem isn't the language of the statute in Stand Your Ground laws. It's how easily they can be manipulated. You can imagine in any deadly self-defense scenario where one person is dead, well, the only person remaining to tell the story is somebody who has every incentive to skew it, to say, I was walking down the street and out jumps this guy and I shot him. And we don't know one way or the other. And the critics have a very valid point, which is it's almost a license to kill if you're willing to lie or massage the truth a little bit. So that is one of the big uh, philosophical problems with Stand Your Ground. We, In a way, it's a bit of a paradox because the entire reason we say you don't have to retreat in your home is that your home is your castle. It's a sacred place. But Stand Your Ground appears to take the only sacred thing about castle doctrine and remove it and say, oh, no, no, you can be anywhere in the world walking around and you have a right to use deadly force. You don't have to step back one step. You don't have to run away from a fight. So that's the problem uh, with those laws in general. In this situation, the thing that concerns me is that if somebody walks up to your, your uh, door and presses the doorbell, uh, we can't have a rule in America that that is considered an attempt to get in your home. The, pro the part that really worries me, I think, is that what if this is a situation? And, you know, I grew up in a rural Midwest town, Michael. This kind of thing happened all the time. You go up, you ring the doorbell at someone's house. If the door's open and you have reason to think you're picking up your brother, you'd walk right in and say, hey, is Steve here? And under the law, that might be enough for the shooter to have a, a belief that somebody was trying to unlawfully enter his home. That, I think, might be what we end up seeing, and that might create a defensible case, as astonishing as that may sound. So stand your ground is best thought of as an extension of castle doctrine beyond the residence. Exactly right. It creates that force bubble, that same protection you have in your home, it puts it around you as you leave the house and go to the Piggly Wiggly or, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts or wherever as you're, as you're going around in your life. The problem is, is that other people have that same stand your ground privilege. So, you know, while it looks great on paper, in practice, it's created a lot of problems. Danny, the homeowner, the 85-year-old guy in Missouri, he must prove, correct me if I'm wrong, he must still prove he was acting in self-defense if this happened on the porch. True. Uh, not the way I read the statute. If you read the subsection, that is one alternative to using deadly force. And I believe it's, uh, sec I, can't, I can't cite it, but it's the next subsection. The first one says reasonable belief that somebody's using deadly force. The next one is reasonable belief that somebody is, in, is 
basically conducting a home invasion of an occupied dwelling. Occupied is key because it's long been the rule in American law that you can't use deadly force just to protect your property. And the example of that, you may even remember it from law school, Michael, is, you know, you can't set up booby traps on your on your rural property that nobody lives on just to protect your trees and your grass or even even the animals on that property. So uh, so as, that's why the occupied dwelling is key. If somebody is breaking into your home, then you don't necessarily need to perceive that deadly force. And that, too, is a controversial thing. There are folks that think that, well, maybe you should have a moment of hesitation. But there are a lot of other folks who say, look, I, if I'm in my kitchen at midnight and somebody breaks through the, uh, the, the window and tries to get in, why should I have to wait until I think they're making a deadly move towards me? They're breaking, they're burgling my home. And home invasion is really considered, if you look at the criminal statutes, home invasion is right up there, right up there with murder and other. It is one of the most serious crimes uh, you can commit, and with good reason, because you know, we really, really respect the sanctity of someone's home. That is really such an American tradition. So it's no surprise that this body of law has developed. Maybe what is surprising is the idea that we've taken it and extended it outside the home, which is, you know, removes the the holy ground that has always justified things like Castle Doctrine. Danny, CNN's reporting, and I'm, I'm not just uh, blowing the horn of my home team, but I think they had the most descriptive reporting. I won't tie you up, but let me just read three paragraphs and have you react to the fact pattern that they've presented. A white 84-year-old homeowner charged with shooting Ralph Yarl after the black teen went to the wrong Kansas City address to pick up his siblings, told police they didn't exchange words before he fired at him through a locked glass door and that he did so because he thought the teen was trying to break in. Homeowner Andrew Lester, who faces two felony charges for assault in the first degree and armed criminal action, told police that he fired immediately after answering the doorbell when he saw 16-year-old Ralph pulling on an exterior door handle, according to the probable cause document obtained by CNN. Lester said that he was scared to death due to the boy's size, according to the document. After the April 13 shooting, which left the teenage boy with gunshot wounds to his head and arm, Ralph told police while he was hospitalized, he did not pull on the door, according to the document. Your reaction? Uh, and yeah, and exactly. That's the scenario that I was talking about before. What I think and I expect you, we may find is that it was more than ringing a doorbell. And again, this young man had every reason to think, hey, this is somewhere where I can pull open the outer door. I can come in. I could I could walk in and say hello if nobody's answering me because I believe I'm at the address where my, my sibling is. This is a friendly home. And that is the concern that I have about this case is that I think there will be facts that, that emerge that it was more than just ringing a doorbell, even though what he did may have been completely innocent. But look, I think the fact that no words were exchanged is not a good thing for the defense. Uh, I, while the statute doesn't require you to announce yourself or say, I have a gun or say, please leave, <clears throat> there is you know, an element of reasonableness because you have to believe you're actually being broken into. Those facts as being described could arguably be the UPS guy. I mean, I don't, what's going to be interesting is the exact the configuration of the door is going to be key. If it's just an outer door and then an inner door, I mean, opening the the outer screen door, you know, you could do that for a number of reasons to leave a note on the door. I mean, you can see the, I can already see the prosecution and the defense developing. And the prosecution's really, their theory is going to be simple. It's going to be what the defense is advancing here 
is the idea that if the UPS man, if a traveling salesman, if a visitor, an unannounced visitor stops by your home, you can shoot them. And that is not the law. I mean, I can already see them formulating that if the facts are just that he tried to open the outer door uh, or that he rang the doorbell. And by the way, ringing the doorbell, if, if true, is if the defense admits that the doorbell was rung, that's going to be a huge problem for the defense. Because, again, if I'm the prosecutor, I'm going to argue what uh, home invader rings the doorbell? Who does that? And I think that's going to be the nail in the coffin uh, for the jury, the, in my the, mind. The prosecutor, Clay County prosecuting attorney Zachary Thompson, said, quote, there was a racial component to this case, but he did not elaborate. I mean, I'm putting two to two, two and two together. And I'm saying that the, the old white guy saw a, a black kid on his porch, black young man, and was scared to death for additional reasons because of his race. I mean, that may be possible. I mean, I would expect that the, the prosecutor wouldn't say that unless he has a statement from the defendant admitting that. Uh, but I mean, beyond that, we don't necessarily know what was in the mind of the shooter. So I, I don't know. I mean, is that is that possible? Is it something possibly that this 85 year old defendant said or admitted? Uh, yeah, but that would be really, really bad for him. I mean, this would be that would be a textbook example of why it may not be a good idea to start talking to the police after uh, after a shooting like this, because uh, if that's the case, and if the only thing uh, this young man did was ring the doorbell or maybe even try the outer door, and if the defendant didn't even bother speaking a word to him, I mean, the defendant, if all those are true, uh, may have made most of the case against himself. Final question for Danny Savalos, and thank you for being so gracious with your time. I began this conversation prior to your arrival talking about what also went on in upstate New York, 50, 60 miles from Albany, where a car pulls into a driveway in a very remote area. Homeowner comes out, just fires indiscriminately at the car and is now charged with second degree murder. In the Missouri case, the old guy is facing charges for assault in the first degree and armed criminal action. What's that? I mean, this is this is these are the charges that happen when somebody isn't killed. I mean, this is basically the equivalent of uh, using a firearm in commission of a crime uh, and assault. I mean, this is, you know, a high level assault uh, that really could have been a murder or a second degree murder or some sort of homicide if the young man died. But uh, but I mean, that's anytime you have a shooting like this, you're going to have weapons charges. You're also going to have the assault charges and the way Missouri statutes are are worded or configured. This is the combination of the two. I mean, these are these are all very serious charges. I believe there is potential for life uh, imprisonment. Of course, you have an 85 year old defendant. So, I mean, really, you know, virtually any sentence could potentially be a life sentence. Hey, Danny, that was excellent. I really appreciate it. Bye for now. Hope you'll come back. Take your time, Maine. Thank you, Michael. Danny Savalos, ladies and gentlemen. Man, he's good. He is really good. The poll question today at Smirconish.com asks, when you've got a white 84, 85-year-old shooting an unarmed black teen at his front door, what's it because of? Age, racism, guns, media, or all of the above. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4 
Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS. Sirius XM Channel 124 and on the SXM app. Hey, gang, thank you for these telephone calls. I really appreciate it. I'm going to begin in uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hi, Jan. Greetings. When you hear the facts of this case, at least as we understand them, you're thinking what? Uh, I work at an assisted living with people the same age as this gentleman that shot this boy, and I'm telling you, they have Fox News on. 24-7, and these people are terrified of black people. I'm telling you that's what's going on. I'd be shocked if it's anything different. So it's interesting that you bring that up because when I say media, that is what I'm talking about when I offer that as a choice. Last night, uh, yes, TC, I was watching The Five, and I was working out, and the lead story on their broadcast was Chicago. And the mayhem from Chicago within the last couple of days. And they just and and I'm not I'm not minimizing it. There's a serious issue here when you've got kids just just fighting and pillaging and breaking windows. But when it's on a loop, you think that's all that's going on. Loop. Exactly. And then Jan works in the assistant care facility and the people are sitting and watching only that. Right. And they're, they're, they got the crap scared out of them. Well, I mean, it's on in the corner yeah. of our studio. If that's yeah. all I watched all day, I get it. Yeah, I get yep. it. Yep. They are living in an alternative universe, you guys. I'm not kidding. It's very hard to be around, and I try to break through, and I just chip away at it a tiny bit. It's very frustrating. Thank you, Jan. Appreciate it. In Brooklyn, Michael thinks I, I left out something that should have been one of the possibilities. Go ahead, Michael. Hi. Hey, how are you today? All right. I, I piggybacking on what the last caller just said, I um, see I feel you left out one choice in your question, which is the component of fear, inherent fear, especially in an older uh, person. Um, but it may also have something to do with what you just said, which is that certain media perpetuate uh, the fact that these folks live in a state of fear, whether it's justified or not. But clearly, I think fear inherently in this man might have been a factor. The question now is why? Right. Well, I I assume he was shooting out of fear, and therefore I move to the what was the basis of the fear? Is it his age? Is it racism? Is it access to guns? Is it the media? Is it all of the above? So then you're presuming that fear was the primary oh, yeah. motivation and Definitely. that fear is yeah. deriving. But does racism create uh, is racism born out of fear? He's an old white guy laying on the sofa, hears something at the door, sees a young black man. What happens next? We don't know. He says, well, he was he was trying the door. Uh, the young man says that he wasn't trying the door. And the next thing you know, there's there's gunfire and. He shoots him when he's down as well. 
Right. So it's a Bernie Getz theory. It's a it's a it's a I don't know. I don't know, because in the Bernie in the Bernie Getz world, those guys on the subway were up to no good. At least that's my recollection. Right. In in his mind, that's correct. You remember the line, right? You remember the Bernie Getz line? I, I do remember. Yeah. Go ahead. What's the line? I remember. I remember. The, what was his line? Yeah. You don't look so bad. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm you don't sorry, look Michael. so You'll bad. Here's. Yeah. You don't look so bad. Here's another. I think. I think that's what it was. He, he shot oh, him. Oh, you mean he once he was shooting? Gets, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 We're, show, like we're showing our age, Michael. Down or something. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your phone call. Uh, Spoil more phone calls in a moment. Make sure you're voting on the poll question today. There's a lot of interest in it. I'm just going to tell you, most people are saying all of the above. When a white 84-year-old shoots an unarmed black teen at his front door, it's because of age, racism, guns, media, all of the above. I agree with Michael from Brooklyn. He's acting out of fear. But what's driving that fear? Is it because he's old, he's frail? People, people get, you know, that way when they're older, or is it the other factors? Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east, or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish, for independent minds. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. America. 